fetch Emma for me and get the chief as usual. The usual with coffee or ice. And he's like, I already have some coffee. Thank you. But yes, I am here a lot. And yes, I am fucking her. Do you think they're fucking or do you think it's just like It's highly implied. No, I know that it's highly implied that there's some flirtation happening there. But part of me is like, I don't know that I buy that Adora would actually sleep with him. I do feel like she's absolutely got him. Dangling. Dangling, though. Dangling. I don't think Adora has sex with anybody. Well, she certainly doesn't have sex with Alan. <laughs> she makes that very clear. She certainly doesn't. I don't Which think actually, that. that's a moment that I, I always forget about. Yeah. That very weird. That moment at the end of that episode after I think it's oh I think it's episode 5 or 6 I can't quite remember. Um I think it's 5. I don't know. But where Alan has has kind of said to Adora like I'm done. Uh I I, I I lost a daughter too, you know, like yeah. it's after Vickery comes over. It's, it's after one of the more shame, shameless flirtations with, with Vickery in front of Alan. And he's like, you know, you have more compassion for the local civil servants than your own husband. It's the episode right before Calhoun day. Oh, okay. So that's episode four then. Because they're talking about like, he's like, well, you know, I have the power to shut this down if I want to. And she's like, that's cool. Some people have the power to shut you down mm-hmm. if they want to. And he's like, oh, tight. We're going to we're going to like go into this area now. And they have this little like interesting. And she does this thing where she it's like the first time you ever see her kind of casual. And she like sinks into the ca- Ouch. She like sinks into the yeah. sofa and is and is like kind of just enjoying being like toying with him. And you're like, oh, this is like you relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. playing psychosexual mind games and like playing political mind games at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, and Alan like goes into her bedroom and appears to yeah. get on top of her. And then the episode oh. ends. I don't know. And I, I don't know, Alan. 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 But also, I do like how Alan, like, is revealed to be a worse and worse person as the show goes. Like, he, he, yeah. he doesn't want Camille there either. Like, no. no. He doesn't remember that she exists. Yeah, right. Right. I He's love. Hot. He is hot. He is hot. He wears a pastel sweater over the shoulder like nobody else. He dresses very gay in in my own opinion. Yeah. Like, I'm like down for that. He's a bit of a dandy. Oh, he's a total ponce, poncy boy. Yeah. Oh, look who we have here. That's the thing. He just wants to be a little kept fancy boy. (laughs) He just wants to be Adora's little kept boy. Exactly. Which is why he's happy to go along with everything because he's like, no, Adora just like takes care of us and she's all of our like I'm Mother. as kept I'm I'm as kept by Adora as as the daughters are. And he's just and if fine she, with that. and if she chose to poison me, I'd have to take my medicine too. Exactly. I'd exactly. To, I'd have to sit there and fucking take it like a man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and there is that. I mean, kind of going back to this question of how much does Alan know? He's got to know. He knows. He has to know enough. There's no way. But there is that moment where toward the end where she's really pumping ammo full of. Yeah. Right. Cocktails. And And he goes. Alan is like, like, stop. Like, has like, I really think she's had enough. Like at a certain point, you have to let the body heal like the body he says something like the body's a resilient thing you know like but it's almost like that is like they that's as close as he'll get they both know what they're talking about but he's Mm -hmm. like you know why don't you don't go overboard well that's the thing he says about when she's healing camille don't go overboard and she's like what like what did you just say to me yeah. that's as close as they've ever gotten to like you're right yeah yeah what you just said like that's as close as they've ever gotten to like actually saying it out loud right. stop poisoning right. the, the girls please right right and he said and then he immediately backs down he says like well you know this is your area right you know you're best. always better you're always better with dealing with the the girls than i am right ellen Oh, Alan. What what are you good at? Wearing a fucking sweater. He's got a good taste in music, at least. He's got great taste in music and sound equipment and pastel sweaters and hot pants. Yeah. Never before have I wanted to buy a pair of khaki pants. And I was like, Alan, you are pulling those off. He looks good. I would wear a, a lot of what Alan wears. And especially compared to like Vickery, like I'm like, oh my god! Yeah. And even Christmasina, like Christmasina looks so bad in these clothes. Like he has like two shirts that He's are sweating, always sweating so right sweaty. Everything. 
Which I love. I mean, I'm a very sweaty human male, and yeah. Christmasina and I are both Italian, so I, I. Oh my god! Am- everybody. Well, and even like Vickery is just constantly. He's always sweat through his shirt by the end of the day. Yeah. You never see the women sweat though. You never see like Adora doesn't sweat because like Adora doesn't like would never exert enough energy to sweat about anything, a and is always like, you know, being cooled by an you know. She's not. She's of the heavens and therefore cannot sweat. But like but Camille, Camille doesn't sweat either. But Camille also always has like a layer of of the day on her. She sure. never looks fresh. She never looks fresh. She never looks fresh. And but I'm always like, love- you are wearing like long pants and long sleeves. Welcome to Camille Preaker Summer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what do you think I do all year round? Is I dress like fucking Camille Preaker and I'm like, no, I'm not hot. Thank you for asking. No, I do not want to throw on a pair of sandals in public. No, it is boots, black skinny jeans, and a black long sleeve shirt all year round. Call me. Camille Preaker summer. I'm having a Camille Preaker summer, ladies and gentlemen. I am going to wear these dark colors, ankles to elbows. Full coverage. Full coverage. And I'm going to accuse my sister of murder. (laughs) You and I were bouncing around, like, I think maybe like the last time I ever wore like shorts in public. Yeah. But I still was wearing black boots that covered most of my legs yeah no always always um up up in your shins combat boots yeah and black socks yeah (laughs) that's the wardrobe you're like a character out of the craft that's like the nicest thing you've ever said to me (laughs) i hope that's not the nicest thing i've ever said to you I'm endlessly kind to you, Carl. I don't know. You're a, you're a, I don't you're know what more I can you, do. You've seen me at my worst, so you're the fact that you still talk to me is listen. <laughs> kind of a miracle. I was like before. I was like, oh, should I like put a bra on? And then I'm like, Carl's literally seen me fully naked on multiple occasions. Uh, and I was lucky to have been like on purpose. Naked. Not I've in a been, sexual way, in a drunk skinny dipping no. kind of way. For in a moon goddess. We were we, being moon goddesses. We don't call it skinny dipping. We call it moon goddessing because no. sometimes the water and the moon call us. Right. True. <laughs> and we strip down to the bare bodkin and <laughs> yep. pop into the lakes and the rivers and the pools and the shallow ponds of yesteryear exactly and we sing like a bunch of sirens exactly calhoun day that brings us to well that brings us to calhoun day which is a great time to talk about amma yes but what you did well i do want to pick up on where we left part one with that scene so the thing about it is like that moment in the book when like it's actually that is one thing i will give the book that that scene where emma goes to the hog farm 
and Camille follows her is like super creepy in the book. And I can't remember exactly what it is, but there's something about the description of the way Emma is watching these, this really kind of grotesque scene of these piglets suckling the sow. Yeah. Um, the like the kind of empty eyed glee that she feels <laughs> like that you see on her face watching it. And it's like the moment for the reader where you're like, oh, she did it. <laughs> She, is she like, okay? What the fuck is this? Uh, is that the face? I'm doing much. my best uh, interpretation of uh, empty-eyed glee. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like it's really mm. strange and sociopathic, and it's like it it really frightens Camille, um, mm. and kind of makes her. It's it's a re- it's a real clear kind of alarm for Camille of like. Yo, this girl is ding 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 ding. Yeah, up. and then she kind of suppresses that instinct once once she really gets starts seeing Emma as a as a victim of Adora. It's only that. Right. Um, but that's like when it is revealed that it's Emma. That moment is called back to of like, damn it, I should have I should have followed my gut on that one. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is. I, I don't think it up. has that same effect in the show. Cause you know, I'm crazy and I have to look up like very weird things. I was like, God, you know, we get milk from goats, milk from cows. Why don't we get our milk from pigs? We're getting like all this other stuff from pigs. Like why don't we, and I guess it's because the pig's milk is really high in fat, but super watery. Like it's not like a nice texture, like a milky silky texture. Yeah. Um, It's like super watery, high in fat. And they have eight like, nipples so it's basically like less than you would even get from like a human whereas like Mm -hmm. a cow they have like a gigantic udder so you're getting more milk we can cut all this out but like i i I felt it i found it fascinating i was like oh well that makes perfect sense like yeah i didn't know that i'm i'm crazy i gotta look these things up what a good fact hashtag um Hashtag pig teeth. Hashtag pig nipples. Hashtag hog nipples. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> um, oh God. And then that like horrible like swamp of, you know, whatever it is, blood and shit next to the, <laughs> next to the hog plant that they dig that bike out of. Literally, it is a pond of pig excrement. It's so fucking gnarly. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, this, again, the production design, the direction, all of it, like, you know, this town is is grotesque. Uh, and it's, but it's so interesting when you, like, go, and it's another thing about the huge, the class disparity you know right. it kind of makes me think kind of makes me think of the visit you know where adora oh, is wow. this like i would love to see patricia clarkson in a production of the visit jesus that'd be wild sorry i'm having a real have you read the tony kushner adaptation of that play the one they made into a musical 
No, well, they made they adapted the Jurenbot play into a musical. They've adapted it a few times. Tony Kushner okay. just did an adaptation of it, I think, okay. in the last few years. I don't. I it, and then it was going to be on at um, the National with Leslie Manville. Oh uh, shit! Right before COVID shut everything down, so I doubt they're going to remount it with her because she's off filming The Crown now. Right. But um, but boy, oh boy, they should. Oh man, Patricia Clarkson would be unbelievable in that play. Shit, yeah. who do I have to call? Get them on the phone. Get them on the phone. Get Broadway on the phone. <laughs> um, Bernie Telsey. Hello. <laughs> Scott Rudin. Just kidding. I used to live across the street from him. You used to live across the street from Bernie Telsey. From Bernie Telsey. You see him walking his dog. That's cool. On Forty Fourth. Um, but yeah, it's like like when you actually see the plant and when you see like it's so disconnected from Adora up in the thing but like but then when she comes down to like see the bike she's the first call that gets made it's like seeing her in that environment you're just like you're you're the thing that makes this town gross Mm -hmm. and And they have to you're also the thing that makes it they like walk her down to that like pit. Like they have to like hold her hand because otherwise she'd like fall. Slip into the pond of shit. They're like, we don't want you getting your like immaculate, like white pants, you know. Right. Even the slightest bit dingy down here in the muck and the mire. Right. But she, you know, she's got, and what does she have like a little parasol while they're doing it or something like that? Oh God, does she? I can't, I think she maybe does. I can't, That's I maybe am projecting a memory on some the scene that I can't massive. remember. But like, but, but there is Nash, something about that great moment of uh, when he, they wipe off the seat and yeah. and Will, Will Chase gets to like, he does this like slow build to a cry where he's like, yeah. duh, yeah. duh, duh. Because he's like, like probably wanting to puke because he's standing five foot away, five feet away from like a shit blood pond and <laughs> his daughter's bike covered in the shit blood wiped clean to reveal it is hers. So he's he's got a well, lot. It, this is a really intense sensory experience for him. Clearly. <laughs> Welcome to shit blood picks, pig stain. <laughs> And this part of the plant is what we call Shitblood Pond. <laughs> Be careful, Why Adora. do we call it that? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> it's a funny story, really. It began when we killed our first hog. <laughs> we had a bad rain and all the shit and blood just sort of pooled right here. <laughs> in this area. <laughs> There's no drainage. It all just seeps into the earth. Bunch of amas outside right now. On their wheelies, oh. their, uh, scooters. Oh dear! Just kidding. They're all like twelve-year-olds. Well, that's actually that brings up another thing. That how the fuck old are these people? Right, because in the book, Emma is supposed to be thirteen, and Camille is supposed to be like early thirties. Okay. In the show, to me, I was like operating under the assumption from 
the jump that like, oh, like, okay, so they've aged them both up like four years. Right. You know? Like Am is absolutely supposed to be like 15 or 16. But then right. there's lines that refer to her, like a couple lines that refer to her yes. being a 13 year old that I'm like. That she, that she was like 13 last year. That right. she's like 14 now and she was 13 when she was hanging out with like Anne. And because Natalie. that's the thing that like doesn't compute is that Anne right. and Natalie are portrayed as these like girls, as these like children. Kids, yeah. And Emma is not seen as their peer necessarily. She's seen as like maybe an older girl who right. was picking on them. Right. Um, and the idea that like that Camille would not recognize Emma at first, like. You know what I mean? But she's never met Emma. Isn't that true? I mean, she knew her at least as a baby. And then she said something about like, oh, she stopped sending those Christmas cards a while ago. But like, you know, my, you know, my cousins at 10 look pretty much the same as my cousins at like 14. Like, I would still know who that was. That's like, of anything, that's like the only criticism I can give, which it's a story thing. They had to not recognize each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, Emma knew who she was, but But that was more about like the the town gossip than. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's, but it is inconsistent of like how old Emma is supposed to be. And how the fuck old is Camille? Right. And because the thing is, like, you know, all those ages are a little fuzzy. You do get you do get very clearly that uh, that Adora had Camille when she was like 18. Right. Yeah. You know, and that that was like not uh, from I don't think I don't remember if I can't remember from the book either if they spell out Camille's parentage. If the father was like a husband or a boyfriend or like. He had to have been her husband because she that's why she like owns Preaker Farms because he was a Preaker oh. and she she was a Calhoun. OK, I never made that connection. I always saw, I thought the Calhouns were the hog were the hog butchers. They are. But it's Preaker Farms. Preaker Farms is the hog butchers. And like she said, like, we had the house, they had the money. Right. The Calhouns had the house, but the Preakers had the money. Right. But she, but she didn't inherit the hog farm through generations. She, mar- she had the generational money from the town but she married into the hog family. See, I think she had, she had the house and stuff, but they had like the industry. Right. So the money that she, she married into. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I mean. She has the Calhoun name and she has the fancy house, but the money, she married into the money. Right. It was like old money versus new money. Like the Preakers were new money and she was old money. Got it. That had like dwindled over the years. Right. Cause that's, I mean, and that's like the shorthand at the beginning where she, where Camille is explaining it to Curry, where right. she's just like, it's all. I'm, 
I'm trash from old money. Right. Got it. Okay. So yeah. So there you go. Because then no, that sounds right. Something happens to Preaker. I don't know how he fucking dies or gets out of the way. And then she marries Krellin. They have Marion. And then after Marion dies years later, they have Emma. Like right before Camille's about to go to college. Yeah. So yeah, she has to have been like kind of a teen bride. Totally. Oh man, that's so fascinating though. When you think of that, Zeke Calhoun story because then it's just saying like we've we've just told not only is that the origin story and the like the holiday of this town like we've been retelling that story for every generation like all of these women are fucking child brides yeah well and she uh, even if she was like 18 it was probably like a shotgun wedding like she fucked what's his name Preaker and Preaker was like I'm not gonna marry you and she was like well you have to yeah yeah Hmm. i also love well actually before i we there was something i was thinking about adora no i guess i'll say this now because this actually happens in the episode before calhoun day um Mm -hmm. there's this scene where adora is talking to camille and she's like a little bit sauced and like it's just like one of these moments where like adora is just like i don't think it's the scene where she's like and that's when I, that's why, that's why I, I never loved, loved you, which is an unbelievable scene and an unbelievable line reading from Patricia Clarkson. Um, right. But uh, there's this moment where she's just, I think maybe it's, oh, it's the scene that leads up to her saying, uh, you smell ripe. Right. Uh, in episode four. In episode four, ripe. Um, but the conversation leading up to that, Adora is kind of floating in and out of memories of her mother and memories of Camille. And she's saying things about Camille and saying that Camille did certain things that Camille's like, no, I didn't. And she's like confusing like Natalie with Camille. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, it's like all of these people that, inform her image of who Camille is and all that Camille represents. You're my mother that I fucking hated. You're these girls that I tried to care for and tend to. And we're so, and we're like feral, like feral children. Feral the way you are. You know, she has that, like, I love that line early on when Emma's having her strange fit on the floor. And Camille's like, what the fuck is going on? And Adora immediately throws it at her. And she's like, you know, coming home. Drinking. (laughs) Drinking. Just like you wild and filthy. My, one of my favorite Amy Adams moments in this is what is in that scene. And she goes, she goes, she's like Camille. And she goes, what? And it's like a Camille, what Camille, what? And Camille, and she screams, what? And it's like, (gasps) Oh my God. Like you see like all of her, like everything just sort of like cracks and peels back for like a second. Yeah. 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 Um, Here's the thing that still confuses me. Sure. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't talk about this until later, like until like the end. 
Okay. But it's about Natalie. It's like Natalie was killed in the carriage house, but then they kept her there for like 48 hours. They kept her there for like two days and played like dress up with her dead body. But like, it also says like they fed her. So like, did they capture her and like kidnap her, play dress up with her and then kill her? And then take the teeth? Because that was like the thing that I looked up with, because I haven't read the book, but I like had to get a at least like a baseline knowledge of the book. And it was like they played dress up with her and took turns feeding her. Oh shit. Which is so I don't remember fu- that from the book. That's horrible. Oh man. That's so fucked up. That's and like in the carriage house, when like Ashley's mother would have been home, like John would have been around at least. Like nobody's going into that carriage house for 48 hours. Like, well, yeah. Natalie's like tied up in her own home. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if because you know, you get that little montage at the end of the finale that kind of goes back and shows you right the kills. I don't remember what Natalie's looked like or where it happened. It was just like her face like under the bed. And you see her like struggling and, the, yeah. and like nothing. But it was mostly like that little montage is like mostly like Emma killing May, the three of them killing Anne, and yeah. like a little bit of like Natalie's face. Yeah. Christ. So that's the thing that like sort of stuck with me. Like, are they like they they like keep her yeah. alive? And they had to because she there was a period between when she was missing and when she was found. So either they were either they were doing that, which the show doesn't really get into, that they were right. And as far as her up, the rules of the show goes, like they they only had like three days max. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right, and like that's like the thing that John brings up is like, oh, they painted her nails. Like, whoever did it, like, painted her nails. Oh, my God. So that is, so they... They were, like, playing dress up with her. Either her corpse or her, like, alive body, and nobody knew that she was still alive while she was missing. I know. (laughs) I don't even know. I'm so bummed out by that. (laughs) That's horrifying. I know. I can't imagine Jesus. a worse hell. No. And like your mom being like 20 feet away, but like not being able to like, sorry, I'm I'm also like, yeah, I'm no. a big horror movie person. So like, of course, all of but this that's is played out. Thing, like, and I think so like talking about Emma. Hi, Emma. Because, you know, we've talked so much about the genius of Patricia Clarkson and Amy Adams, but let us not neglect the absolute brilliance of Eliza Scanlon a breakout performance I you know I I think she had worked before but this like she's an Australian actor this was absolutely it was on like an Australian soap opera yeah but this was like such a discovery and she's and then she did Little and Women she and went the complete opposite that. direction and played Beth in Little Women and she's so good in that too oh my god I, I sobbed through yeah. her stuff um I love the story that when they were making Little Women, um, one of among the first things, I think may have been the first stuff that they shot was uh, like Joe on the beach with Beth, like 
saying goodbye to her and like having these like this little flashback scene to show this tenderness between Beth and Joe and Sir Ronan was like before coming to set was like oh I'm gonna like watch all the work of my co-stars I want to like be familiar with with their work and she had like just finished sharp objects the day before having to show up on set and like cradle this like hi you know, Beth this like dying weak Eliza Scanlon as Beth and she was like that was like the greatest acting challenge because I was like You're I'm fucking terrified of you I'm terrified of you and I hate you oh my god yeah she's like I was like very unfriendly to Eliza when I first met no. her I don't know if it was that but she was like very like I can't like she's like I can't like socialize with you right now because I need to figure out how to like compartmentalize what I just watched you do and like what I have to do with you now <laughs> truly that's um, fucking crazy but yeah I, I, I love that but like damn when you that. talk about range yeah that's Eliza Scanlon yeah it's the range um but she gave a great interview uh with this podcast that I love still watching it's a Vanity Fair podcast podcast and they did um they covered the show when it was airing and they had an interview with Eliza Scanlon and they were asking her about like what was it like to have to like you know access a character so evil but who's evil we don't really know the extent of until like after the show's done you know and like what it was like your rage comes directly from your trauma it's not like you know what i mean like norman bates i mean kind of norman bates but like but like jesus christ you you see the cause and effect with her like totally this is not this is not coming out of nowhere (laughs) yeah right right this was this was nurtured psychopathy to whatever extent that's possible (laughs) oh girl yeah Oh, give me those words. But uh, yeah, she was like talking in this interview about like what, how hard it was to shoot that montage where she's just like having to access, access a place of that, of that extreme rage is like in a strange way, really exhilarating but it was like definitely a day where I had to just like leave it, you know, it was like really having to do the mental work of like shutting it off when it was done, you know? Right. And like, you know, you have other people around you. Like, it's not like she did these crimes alone. She had Kelsey and Jodes or whatever their names are. Like right. The whole time, at least for, at least for Anne's murder, if not Anne, Natalie, but then she did May on her own right. by herself. Yeah. In the alleyway of their fucking. Right. Because that's May. the other thing that like, that, I, you know, I she kind of talks about is like being part of the challenge of playing that is like having to kind of like believably summon the strength to do to mm-hmm. kill somebody in that way like it's incredibly hard to strangle someone to death like i even talked to you about i had to in the duchess of malfi yeah i played emily putnam our good friend and a good friend of the pod 
she played the Duchess of Malfi and I played her like killer. And the whole thing was you have to keep deciding to choke somebody mm-hmm. for like five minutes. At right. The very it takes least. a long time. It takes a long time to suffocate somebody by choking. So it was like this whole thing where I like had this like rope and then I had to like keep winding it. And like, it was horrifying. There's actually a really good picture of it on. on, Yeah, um, I'd like to see that. That sounds very intense. On my Instagram of like Emily, like getting killed by me. But it was uh, our, our, um, uh, combat choreographer uh laura uh, laura iani fucking was like nope you're going to think it's going on for way too long and that is exactly what we want because that is what it's really like and i was like okay that's both psychotic and genius thank you for that yeah yeah anyway um so yeah no i mean that's like and that's kind of what's you know the whole Emma element of it that the whole time these cops are like, it's a man that did this. I know. Um, and, and also kind of how they make, oh, I'm trying to like form this thought. I was having this thought, well. Like the pulling of the teeth and all of that shit. The pulling of the teeth and how, and how strong that has to be and trying to find ways to that it's it's the thing that stumps everybody and the thing that stumps these cops is that the girls were not raped right that this crime doesn't is to them it seems to be missing a crucial element for this type of crime that logically Mm -hmm. something this brutal would you would also find evidence that they were sexually assaulted sexually and it's assaulted, very yeah. strange to bob nash to like everybody in the town that that didn't happen um and and you see christmas scene as wheels turning as the detective of trying to find ways like well you know this like it scratches a different itch it's still all about power it's still all like you know this and that and it's like it's kind of another way that you see the women of this town and the women of this family being like misunderstood you know that this this projection of what the victim is supposed to do uh right is you know there's there's just it's 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 it adds to this constant refrain of imperfect victims this show is full of really imperfect victims camille is an imperfect victim she doesn't see herself as a victim you know when you're talking specifically right. about her own sexual assault she sees that right. as something that was consensual and that she deserved um, right and and then you have you know and and then there's like Emma even comments on it later where it's like, it doesn't, I have total control. When you're letting them do it to you, you're really doing it to them. Right. And it's, and it all feeds back into this town narrative of this Calhoun Day story of a woman was like brutalized 
and assaulted and raped and, you know, tortured. But the town's version of it is that this was an act of heroism on her part. Right. And how that framing of that story is, is repeated in all of these other stories and how all of these women see themselves and how the town sees them. The show takes up the question in many different ways of like, is it empowering not to see yourself as a victim in a circumstance where you very clearly are a victim, you know, where it's, you know, how much of that is you having reclaimed this memory and how much of that is you uh, like burying it, burying it and, and not processing it. Um, and I think in Camille's case, it's, it's entirely the latter because look at what becomes of her life, you know, and, and she is so the, the, the wound of that trauma is quite literally seen all over her body, you know, like it's all connected, you know, it, it, it's roots maybe are, are in Marion's death, but, um, but it's like her, her saying to the guy when that, when the, her friend's husband, who was one of these guys that attacked her, right. When he says to her, like, and that's the other thing that's so nuts to me is that like, she goes and spend times with all these cheerleaders and like all of their husbands are the guys that did this to her. And they're just mm-hmm. there in the town. And it's just like, not even, and they're all hitting and, on Camille all the time. And, but hitting on in a way that is like, it's not even like, it's not hitting on, it's like bringing up that specific incident over and over again. Right, like like, and it's not hey, necessarily with walk- the tone of like, you know, being naive as to what they did to her. No. It's like really with the internet. No, they're- Remember when we like, gang raped they're people? very aware they're literally very aware like when they're like oh why don't we take a uh, stroll around the grounds and you can like show us all of like the shit uh, all over the yes. like they're literally saying like hey remember that time we gang banged you without your consent like right. you know it's like yeah crazy but also when kirk says to her like this has really haunted me yeah. like which is still like, okay, cool. That's kind of cheap. You still did it anyway. Right. But like her response to him being like, I'm genuinely sorry about this horrible thing that happened before all of us were adults. And she's like, get over it. I did. Like, oh, oh right. okay. Right. Okay, and it's but clearly you didn't get over it. Exactly. You know, and it's it's that kind of difference between like, no, you've just pushed this all away and you framed it differently in your mind to be able to like stay alive. Right. Um, she had to survive somehow. Right. Well, so that brings us to Calhoun Day. Amen. The big celebration <laughs> of Zeke and Minnie Calhoun. And of course, Camille explains the celebration of Calhoun Day to to Christmasina and by extension, the audience. And he's like, this is a holiday? <laughs> he's like, this is like Confederate pride. Truly. And like, when she's saying the story, like, and then, you know, 
they tied her to a tree and violated her. And like, she lost the baby that she was pregnant with. But she, you know, she's a hero. She's the town hero. But she survived, even though they like burned, yeah. didn't they like burn her at the stake? <laughs> I don't know if they did I mean, that. that's what the play, the play shows them like setting the tree on fire. Oh, I thought it just showed them tying her up and like then doing things to her. But then the dude like literally like, like does a fake pyrotechnic with the tree. Oh God. Maybe and they set all, her on and fire everybody too. claps. And everybody claps. And everybody claps. They, they, everybody they claps. claps. Oh, and the rape. Okay, like let's talk about it. Is literally like the boys go up to the tree and like wiggle their hips back and they forth. And I was like, it. did somebody direct them to do that? Because literally that was what they they literally are like doing like the cha-cha slide yeah. in front of her. It's horrifying. God. And also kind of funny. Yeah. Well, but anyway, the other the other crucial iconic scene that happens in this episode uh, is going to the dress shop with the endlessly memed scream into the dress. <laughs> uh, and there's so much to unpack about that scene because they go and it's, I guess, I mean, it's obviously a power thing for Adora. And I think to me, if I had to kind of guess at what the calculation is that she's making, because they, she's like, Camille, you don't have anything appropriate to wear. We've got to, I'll take you to the dress shop, you know, which is opening special for them because everything's closed on Calhoun day. Uh, right. And she can, she can get them to open whatever the fuck course, she wants. Of she, course. Yeah. They'll part the sea for her. But yeah. um, so she brings Emma and Camille down to the shop, even though I'm sure Emma like already has something to wear. Um, right. But the, the shopkeeper presents Camille with a few dresses that are all sleeveless and and like Camille, you know, sees the first long sleeve dress in sight, which is like truly hideous. And is like, I'll take this. This will be fine. I'll let me try this one on. Um. And she, you know, she takes the dress. Um. But Adora is very insistent that she try on these sleeveless dresses. And Camille is like, these aren't gonna work, Mama. Right. And um, I can't, and then Emma steals her shirt and jeans. So she can't oh, change. Oh, I thought Adora did that. Oh, I thought, oh, was it Adora? I thought it was Emma that stole the clothes. I could be wrong. But then I just, because it follows like, she's like, none of these are going to work. And she's like, Camille. I'm literally running out of time. Will you just open the door? And Camille's like, fine, I'll open the door, but will you send Emma away? And she's like, I do not fucking have time for this. Right. And she's like, fine. And she opens the door and throws the dress at Patricia Clarkson's face, which is like, 
one of the most astounding pieces of blocking like I've ever seen is yeah. just like this crumpled up gorgeous piece of like pink silk being thrown at a human being who is made of pink silk yeah you know what I mean mm, yeah. and just like her standing there in her black underwear being like I'm covered in scars that have words on them like yeah. <laughs> right and Dear sweet Jesus and this is like there's so much to to again this is like these strange glimmers between the two of them because Patricia Clarkson is seeing these scars for the first time in many years and is kind of noticing that they're quite healed and and Camille says something and she asks in this kind of like haltingly sincere way Mm. uh, so it's stopped you know and it's it's this flash of real care uh, that nobody knows what to do with, but it's absolutely, you know, this one, this one moment of something resembling care for this girl, just poking through, you know, well, and it probably wasn't as extensive the last time she right. saw it. Right. But it had been like many more cuts and much more healing right. since she saw Camille's skin. Right. Like it, it's, like you said, like at least 10 years. And it's like, holy fuck. Yeah. Okay. But her reaction to, to Camille in that moment, as, at least once Emma is kind of away from them, her response to Camille is not anger and disgust. It is genuine pain at seeing her daughter having hurt herself this extensively, you know? And it's not, there's there's no sense of like, I did, I'm responsible for this necessarily. It's just, she's horrified by it and mystified by it. and it's a because very outward. different reaction to Camille than we see her have about anything else. Everything else is shame and disgust at at what a you know slag Camille is. But this is like, right. oh man, you you I, you were really fucked up, <laughs> right? Because everything else you can you can cover up, you can right. you can pretend it's not there, and that's what Adora is good at is pretending. Right that the thing doesn't exist. Right. But, you know, all of like Amma's scars are like all on the inside. Right. Um, all of Dora's scars are all on the inside. Camille is the one who brought them to the surface. Right. Which makes her an outcast, which makes her other. Yeah. Which is why they don't, they don't interact on a normal basis. If people hadn't started to go missing and wind up murdered in wind gap, they would have just continued their lives separate from each other. And, you know, Emma would have married some yeah. rando and nobody, you know, inherited the family business and nobody would have cared and, yeah. and, and lived in the house and, and like a mini, mini Adora. Yeah. Well, and, you know, so the other piece of this scene with Adora, cause you know, I don't mean to imply that like, 
suddenly Adora's like, oh, poor Camille. She did no, this on no. purpose. She coordinated this whole outing in order for Emma to see Camille's scars. And yeah. I think there's a few calculations happening. Part of it is um, to, to bring Camille to heal. Yep. Uh, at least for the day, you know, it's an immediate fix to like, there's gonna be a lot of people here and you're gonna fucking embarrass me and you're gonna start some shit and you're gonna be poking your nose into all of these people's business. So I'm going to remind you that I am in fucking control and I am going to shame you and do this thing that I know will be, will reignite trauma to you, but in a way that will keep you pacified for the rest of the day. You're the daughter. I'm the mother. I'm the, yeah. Right. I know it's, it's, it's literally just her knowing what Camille's triggers are and pulling that trigger so that she's yeah. basically non-functional for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it also is to, as she sees Emma and Camille kind of getting closer and starting to bond a bit, it's, it's a, a tactic to put a distance between them and to keep Emma for herself and to reinforce this narrative that Camille is, is dangerous right. to you. Wasn't that so scary? I can keep you from becoming that. Right, right. She is not one to emulate. The reason she did that is because she didn't listen to me. Right, she didn't let me take care of her the way you let me take care of you. Bada bing. Um, yeah, and then Emma goes missing briefly after Calhoun Day and Adora is like... Oh my God. Such a, but it's also like she completely believes that like you know what i mean like it's not like something she's putting on she's like no, like she literally is like oh my god my daughter is missing let me literally be as histrionic as humanly possible yep and, and they then... like put a put a coat on her shoulders. They try to offer her water and she pushes it away and she just is like screaming into the crowd. It's yeah. like, it's so, it's so beautifully poetic. She's yeah. like Richard II. Like, yeah. it's just like. She's just like, like, you know, the crawling up the couch and like yeah. wailing across the lawn, across the moors. So everyone will hear her. Yeah. And it's, it's like Richard II. It's like the fact that you're faking shows me you care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've talked about Emma. Let's talk about, well, we'll continue talking about Emma as we approach the end. Yes. Let's talk about yeah. that big teen, that big, beautiful teen. That's a gigantic kid. <laughs> That kid is John massive. Keen. That is a massive John teen. That's a massive. What did I text you? What were we? T- you like said, the fir- and this if back this is two thousand eighteen, back in two thousand eighteen, when Carl was watching Sharp Objects, I don't know why this. Like I giggle every time I think of this. But you texted me when you were watching like the penultimate episode, uh, when. John's going to get arrested and Camille goes and finds him. And Carl texts him. He's like, she's going to fuck that big teen, isn't she? 
oh my god she's gonna fuck that big team she's gonna fuck that big team well because that was like the first episode they say like something about like and she's like oh he looks a little young to be like drinking in this bar and i was like he looks the same age as everyone at this bar he looks the same age as you amy adams which is a credit to amy adams which is a credit to amy adams and it's also like I love when I love when like high schoolers are played by literal 25 year olds who are like six foot three, like 215 pounds of like pure muscle. <laughs> like completely cut. And they're like, I just graduated last year from high school. And I'm like, right. You're a freshman in college. You're 40. Like, yeah. don't fuck with me. Right. But he's like, he's what, he's 18? He's supposed to be, yeah, because they literally, and they make a point to be like, How old are are you you of age, son? Are you of age, son? And he goes, Yeah, I'm 18. And I was like, All right, I'll believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So John Keen. I love their scene together. I can't help myself. I don't dislike, like, I like, I love that connection. Yeah. I love, I love the scene in the bar. I love the scene between them in the bar. Oh my Um, God. The exchange where, sorry. No, 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 no. Um, I'm so sorry. Um, Going back to what we were talking about, like we never think it's Bob Nash or John Keen at any point. And even when he's like literally confessing to the crime, we're not like, Oh, he did it. Like, it's clearly like this. He's he's putting on a front. He's putting on a face and being like, fuck you. You want to write a fucking story? I'll write you a story. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so good. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but no, and I, I, the exchange where he's like, I didn't kill my sister. And she's like, I know. Yeah. It's yeah. a really beautiful, it's really beautifully played between the two of them. And they, I mean, like for having very little time to build the chemistry to propel to that scene and to and to really kind of as much as you're aware that Camille is making a bad decision right now you are like you're also like Camille this is like honestly one of the healthier things you've done <laughs> this is the only man who like actually deserves your right time like and- Camille I think you're actually about to experience some respect <laughs> like real love real respect right. real and like, like reciprocated like and also, okay, I know he's going to go like, down on you right away, girl. Like you are about to be cared for, which he does instantly. Instantly, he right reads stars, and he's so well, nice. But, but he's so nice to her. But also, the thing with that sex scene, compared to the scenes with Chris Messina, <laughs> yeah. You know, closer. she doesn't like it's it's unclear to me like what type of sex they're having because she doesn't take her clothes off with him. With Messina? With Messina. No, she sure does not. So I don't know. Him. He's not worthy. Right. So like she probably let him masturbate her a few times and she probably like jacked him off and maybe gave him a blowjob. Well, because she says, like, my way, like, we're going to do it my way. 
And I think that she gets her pants down enough that he can like get inside of her, but not like see her scars because you oh, can okay. see like on, on her ass is like carved the word closer. Got it. Got and, it. And like, you can basically see that they're fucking, but like when oh, it's, right. okay. when it's John Keen, it's like, I am, I am nude. You are nude. We are communing with yeah. my body. That's scars. a, that is, you know, you have to wonder how many times she's had an experience a right. positive experience this is, of this no maybe not she, ever well and that's like the with messina when she says my like it's my way we have to do it my way like that's the only way she's been able to do it for years and years and years right and with john keenan he's like no i have to see you like i need to like show you how okay i am with you being exactly who you are in this moment yeah. I think that's like kind of why I'm so obsessed with that scene. Oh yeah. No, I I I really like that yeah. connection between the two of them. I just find the actual dialogue, I just find the actual moment where okay. he's like reading the words out loud and her being like, You reading me? Like I just find that part a little bit hokey. See, I wrote like I, I would wrote rather all- that part just be like quiet. Like, don't put dialogue. I wrote all of it down because I was like, this is so genius. This is so brilliant. (laughs) I was like, because it's, what is it? Laid, drained, cherry, sick, gone, wrong, falling, wicked are the words he reads. Like, that's fucking crazy. That's so fucking cool and poetic and beautiful. (laughs) But anyway, I'm also like, I don't know. That's like a scene I would love to like play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To like be either of those people in that moment and just like be crying on each other and then fucking. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, but it is it is a beautiful sex scene. Oh. Um, and it really does mean it's a really powerful moment for Camille. And it is, and because it's so powerful for Camille and because it's a moment that we as the audience recognizes, like, even though this is like ultimately not a great decision you're making, considering what we all know is about to happen, when you we're know all that still very looking, happy for you. <laughs> you're looking for that. You know that the cops are looking to arrest him mm-hmm. and you choose to take him to a fucking like sleazy motel on the wrong side of town and fuck this 18-year-old when you're like, probably like... 37 like at like what like 11 30 in the morning like literally like at noon (laughs) after you both like drank and they had time to take a nap afterward like yeah that's how late that's how like early in the day they did this (laughs) yeah um yeah and then vickery and the whole squad come up on them and um, oh, Christmas scene approves Christmas why scene, uh, he's not the he's not the lead male in this story. No, he just calls her a slut or any story. Now we've now we've said it. Sorry. Yeah, he calls her a slut. He sure does. He says, you know. 
nobody should listen to your sob story because you're just a drunk and a slut. But then he chooses to like drop Marion's like medical records or not even Marion's like Emma's medical records into her car. Right. That's like how she finds out about all of this stuff. Right. And then she sees all, well, so before we so come to the Jackie's scene, yeah. he, this is where it all kind of starts coming together. And it, it leads into this. Jackie is a big part of that kind of final leg of the trail. You know, she has that amazing yeah. moment where she talks to, you know, she, Chris Messina kind of rolls up on her and, and they're chatting or she's, uh, that's, she's throwing out the flowers at Natalie's little memorial site and he rolls up on her in the bar right but but this precedes the bar he like right 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 you know he he sees her and he starts asking something about how marion died or something like that or adora he he finally starts asking about adora and maybe her relationship to the two girls um and jackie just goes you're getting warmer, detective. Closer. Yep. You're getting warmer, detective. Woof. Uh, which is so chilling. And then um, they're in the bar later, and you know she's like, "I've had my hand on your thigh for the last fifteen minutes, and you haven't made a move on me yet. So, what are we doing here? You know." <laughs> Which I'm so sorry that that is always me. I, I, I just I just apologize to anybody who's with me at any, at any given point of my life. <laughs> I've had my hand on your thigh. <laughs> just like, yeah, I know it sucks. Stop it. Oh, okay. Tight. Also, you um, could have told me that 15 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, Lord. But uh, I, love I love Jackie so much. There's a great moment, a really like subtle moment from Elizabeth in, Perkins in yeah. that bar scene where um, Messina tells her yeah. about how, about why Camille left rehab and like yeah. what happened. And he's like, her roommate killed herself. Yeah. How did she die? Poison. And some like it's 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 the kind of thing that like you look back at it after what happens, and there's this flicker of like what the fuck in well, and he starts telling her all this stuff, and she's like, "That's news to me. I like hadn't heard any right. of this. How'd she die?" And he goes, "Poison." And she's like, "Please, like, read the look in my eye right now." Because I cannot physically tell you what I want to tell you. Right. Um. That's like actually this this last time around, which I'm I'm surprised it didn't come up for me earlier because this was like a very formative text and like a movie that I was like very obsessed with in my youth was um White Oleander hmm. and like the book I was like completely obsessed with and I really like the movie and there's like a part of it where the 
character Astrid it has been passed around from foster home to foster home and her mother is in prison. And when Astrid finally finds a place where she's like really happy, um, the imprisoned mother Ingrid like talks to the foster mother and just by like dropping subtle hints and like asking the right questions, she like basically manipulates this foster mother into killing herself so like it's funny that you bring that up because that is like a very like clear thing in the in that story mm-hmm. white oleander where she's mm-hmm. like she's influenced enough of the environment around her daughter that like she ensures the fact that like she'll never be happy outside of her own like parentage yeah anyway Oof. But so then that then this all kind of like tumbles into like Jackie being the key, you know, like she, so Messina then goes to the hospital where Marion died, I believe. Um, or Or a hospital where she was treated at least to track down this particular nurse. And this is actually a really great, there's a moment in this that's like, a really great world thing and like reality thing where yeah. um, the this hospital, which is like partly a methadone clinic, like is just filled with opiate addicts. Like everyone in the waiting room of this like really dingy hospital is like clearly an addict and is clearly there to get pills. A bupingo, a bupingo, which is um, buprenorphine, buprenorphine, yeah. which is like a is like a methadone, like a thing, a drug that they use to like get you off of drugs. Right, and it's like it's used specifically to like get you off of narcotic painkillers. Right, like yeah, any opioids or like heroin or like anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. So that to me, that was just like a really like a nice touch of like what this community actually would be, you know? And then you have this other scene where uh, Emma and her friends are very like super duper casually taking Oxycontin, which if you grow up in like the outskirts of any city, that is kind of like the drug that is around. Right. Like that's what it was like when I was in high school. Yeah. That it was like, you raid your parents' medicine cabinets and take what you can find. Yeah. No, Oxy and heroin were definitely big in my high school. Like big. for the people who big. were who were doing drugs. Speed yeah. for a little bit, but but yeah, opiates have they are the drug yeah. of the masses. One billion percent. Yeah. And heroin is a lot cheaper than oxy. Exactly. Let's be real. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And Crazy. you know, God help you if you can get your hands on fentanyl. You know, and you look so skinny afterwards. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Aw, Finn. Um, but anyway, so he does, he tracks down this nurse. And this is where we finally get the final, the piece for Adora. The tea. The tea of munchies by praxies. Which is like, it's so funny that like the act was out God. at the exact same time as this, but like 
it handles it so much better in this like fictional version than in, than that one does with like a real thing that really happened. I hate the act. I'm terrified that that is going to have to be one of the. We are going to have to do it. I'm so sorry. That's like season 50 when we're really scraping the barrel. When we're like, when we're both in our 50s and just. We're like, remember this show that sucked? Let's watch it again. I will say Joey King is fantastic in it. Joey King is amazing in it. Why do we say the same things at the same time? We both go, I will say, I love Joey King. <laughs> and also because her sister, who is on Young and the Restless, is lovely. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Joey King is great in that. So is the kid who plays her, like, internet boyfriend. Oh, He's yeah. so good. Demi John, what's his name? <laughs> oh, Nick, Nick, go to John. Yes, Nick, did you say Jimmy John? I said Demi Demi John, which is actually Meg's son's name in Little Women. Is Demi John? Yeah, because her husband's name is John, so her son's name is Demi John, like a little John. Is that like a way that people named their kids in that time? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Girl. Have you not read Joe's Boys <laughs> or Little Men? No, I've never read Little Women. Hashtag, you've never read Little Women? No, I haven't. I disgraced my mother because of it. You would hate it. <laughs> I don't know that I would. I did start Little it and I like didn't wives? get through more than a few Little pages. Women, Little Women and Good Wives. That's yeah. the original. Good. But... That kid Talk is really good. Who plays Nick Go to John in that? Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. So we learn Adora's secret. Her dirty little secret. That she has <laughs> Munchausen's by proxy, which is uh, a disorder that I do feel is overrepresented in drama. <laughs> it literally is like the. Th- only th- like it was like the sixth sense yeah and then it just like blew up every uh every crime show every hospital show has like a big episode where you bring in like a ringer guest star and it's a munchausen yeah. by proxy plot line <laughs> a munchie um, by proxy munchie by proxy <laughs> munchies by props so for halloween can you and i go as Gypsy Rose Blanchard. <laughs> Wait, let's let's go as like like one of us goes as as um what's the mother's name? Not Gyp- Gypsy Rose is the daughter. Is I want to say Tammy. I want to say not- Tammy Blanchard. Tammy Blanchard is a Broadway actress who I actually saw in Gypsy. <laughs> so it's not Tammy Blanchard, but I know why you would say. Tammy Blanchard, but it's Dee. It's Dee Dee Blanchard. Tammy Blanchard is actually really lovely. Tammy Blanchard played Gypsy Rose. Dee Dee Blanchard is the mother of Gypsy Rose. Of Gypsy, which is like a weird. That's weird. Oh, I hate that. 
It's very crazy. But I saw her do Gypsy with Bernadette Peters and she was amazing. Oh, wow. And she was on Mad Men. Who is she? Why do I know her name? Because in that, do you remember the episode where Roger goes to like the airport and he's like trying to like hunt down leads for like business and he Mm -hmm. like fucks that stewardess? Oh yeah, okay. I look. I'm looking her up now. And yeah, she's I know like, who I'm this is. To, she's like, I'm not supposed to tell you who. And she was on like Guiding Light. She's like yeah. really intense. She's really cool. Oh, she played the young Judy Garland in uh, yes, the Judy she Davis sure did. Life with Judy. The Judy That's Davis. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, Toto. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so Adora has a disorder called Munchausen's by proxy, which to those not in the know, Munchausen's is a disorder where you hurt yourself to get attention. Munchausen's by proxy is when you hurt somebody else to get attention. So the thing you're seeking is um, the the visibility of, of, of being yeah. seen taking care of somebody, being seen as a great caretaker. and Validation of like, you're either making yourself sick so people can be like, oh, I feel bad for you, or you're making somebody else sick so people can be like, wow, look at you be so brave and like taking care of that sick person. Right. Um, and- Munchies by proxies. Yeah. And a great true story of it is the story of Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, but watch the documentary, <laughs> Mommy, Dead, and Dearest. Don't watch the act. Yeah, just, yeah, go to go to, go to to HBO. Yeah. And watch Tammy Blanchard and anything she does. because <laughs> and, she, and support Tammy Blanchard, because she is not. not a, she's she not a part not of that her. story. <laughs> Wait, is she in, um, is she in that movie, The Invitation? Yes. She's so fucking good in that movie. Okay. I haven't seen that. Go watch The Invitation immediately. Great. Um, welcome. So this is where... So Chris Messina gets this information and he is able to obtain all of... I do think it's Mar- I think it's Marion's. Maybe it's also some of Emma's. Because I think the is, nurse yeah. kind of gives a, warn, a a word of caution to him of like, she's doing this to her daughter now. Like she, or like. She goes like, not Marion, the other one. The other and one, that's right, that's right. Drops, he drops Amma's info into uh, 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 Amy Adams's car. Right. And Amy Adams like, sees on all this documentation, all these requests like FOIA requests, basically, um, mm-hmm. from Jackie. So she denied. sees denied, right? So that Jackie she has that not. Jackie has been trying to get access to these files, but has been denied. So clearly, Jackie knew something was going on, but but like was denied at every turn, and decided like, well, it's better to just be where I am at. And be friends with Adora. You know, keep your keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Right. Right. Um, so then that leads Camille to Jackie's house. To one of the best scenes in television history. It's so good. 
Every single thing Elizabeth Perkins does in this scene is incredible. Every choice is perfect. It's monstrous. Like, it's mm, early in the morning. Because, well, and or this is the same day as... Am I correct that the it's sequence the of events? She just, she just, just fucked that big old kid. She fucked that teen. So at, at most, it's one p.m. Maybe two p.m. It's it's early for cocktail hour, and it's Jackie, early enough to still be drinking Bloody Marys. Thank you. That's what I was just about to say. Jackie's it's still brunch. drinking Bloodies, so you know the sun is 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 not soon to set. Mm-mm. Um, so she goes over to Jackie's just gaudy palace. Like her home is so perfectly appointed for who this woman is. There's like an oil portrait of Jackie over the fireplace. The hideous, so like a gorgeous piano, but with like a hideous like artscape on top of this piano. Like it's so trashy, like wall to wall carpeting, like terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Jackie brings her out a bloody that is like translucent, you know, like it's. It's red vodka. Yeah, it's like vodka with a splash of tomato juice. And a big Um, old stick of celery in it. And yeah, just stick a thing of celery in there. Um, She has that amazing line, just enough stoli to make the stomach bleed. Mm. Because like the thing that's amazing is that like Camille is a, a real life alcoholic. And right. even she takes a sip of this bloody and is like, oh God, like Ugh. this is disgusting. This is vile. She's like, I drink straight vodka. Like what? Out of an you... Evian bottle. Right. Like what is this? Um, guess what? Guess what? It's everything. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Jackie sits down and is like, holds up this little dish with like this like creepy little like you know, <laughs> colonial, like, a little man. like a little colonial man on it just like my husband gave me a little cookie man hideous thing she starts taking them Pop- little by little popping some pills uh, she hurts is that she, you know, explaining what each of them is for and like putting the pills on her tongue is like, I hurt is all. And then downs them with a nice big old swig of that bloody. Mm-hmm. And then Camille starts talking to her and, and Jackie, who is always so warm and so sweet to her. It's like you see her transform as Camille is asking her these questions and and at well, first it's a, there's something really that, like, sorry no 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 please just, there's something like it changes so many times in so many ways like like as Jackie is like through the her fog of these pills and her booze like trying to come to what Camille knows right now. And where this is going, because there's there's parts where she's trying to play like, okay, you know now, so now we can be on the same side, you know? And she kind of starts explaining to it like, you know, you don't like my bloodies, but I asked you to drink it and you're drinking it, you know? It's easier just to say yes. 
and but you never did. You never said yes to her. Um, so Marion, Marion, right? Marion did. Um, but I also think that like she knows that this reckoning is coming, which is yeah. why she's she's the most drunk we've ever seen her. Yeah. You know, she can talk about like, oh, sweet tea. And like, she's on the porch, like drinking a mint julep or whatever yeah. the fuck. And this scene, she's, she's, all of the barriers are down and she's ready to answer the fucking questions that like, yeah. she would not answer for anybody else. Right. Camille has come to her and she's hoping for a kind of like reconciliatory, yeah. uh, 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 conversation with Camille right. and once she spills the beans Camille is like you're disgusting how yeah. could you let this happen and she's like fuck you like yeah but you're I actually making I me could. think of some making me think of something earlier in the episode where she Talk sees me, she runs into Vickery at the at the shop and she's getting this big jug of V8 um and it's just the idea that she like she's getting this thing to make bloodies, and she sees Vickery. You know, she's like, "How's our girl?" Mm-hmm. Jocelyn. Adora, and she's like, "Jocelyn's like, no, the other one. Oh, no, the other one. You no." Know, so there's a level oh. to which Jackie is sort of like, I think she has to know. She knows that the that Christmasina is is putting it together. She knows that all of this is about to converge. So I do think there's a level to which that there's a signal there when she picks yeah. up the V8 and like, she, and Vickery's like off to protect and serve. And she's like off to, off to pour and serve mix, or something mix, like that, mix you know, and yeah. mix and serve that you, you kind of wonder like, you know, she's just going to sit and wait for Camille to come to her. It is this like she's both she's both like the truth teller and like the secret keeper. Yes. She's like the gossiper, but she also is like she's holding on to so much like very relevant information that she will not give to anybody unless they come at her in the completely correct way. Totally. Like when she like what you were saying about like the daisies and she was like you're getting closer detective like okay well why don't you just fucking tell me what i need to know and she's like no like you yeah. got to play the game yeah. you got to you got to go through these passages to get to like the middle part yeah and Jesus. Uh, she's such a fucking fascinating character she's such a fascinating character and and god elizabeth perkins just makes meals of every one of her scenes and there's that Utterly. amazing, I, that scene is amazing in, in this episode where, where Camille comes to confront her and just, she just at the end, like, don't you walk out of here? I did what I could. She's like, you're sick. You're sick. Yeah. You're right, Jackie. You're fucking sick. Yeah. And she's like, how, like, I, I didn't ask, you know, I didn't ask you to come here and like berate me. I asked right. you to like, come here and learn the truth and be grateful. <laughs> right. Right. And she does truly believe what she's telling Camille. Yeah. That there of was nothing she could do. Cause you see it at the end and she's like, I, I would love to see more of you girls and like, da, 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 da. And 
Camille and uh, Eliza Scanlon, uh, Emma, are like, I do not want you coming anywhere near me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway. So anyway. But this episode also has some of my favorite Adora moments with some of my favorite Adora lines when so episode six cherry uh oh we didn't talk about this the weird sexual tension between Emma and Camille oh my dear sweet Jesus um which is like there from the beginning it's really fascinating um and then they go to this party together and uh, they play this like you know pass the pill type of game Mm -hmm. um and Emma ends up like (laughs) tongue kissing Camille and giving her her half sister her half sister um and they're always like she's always like kind of drunkenly super physically affectionate that you're always like are they gonna kiss what's about to happen and she's like can I sleep in your room like can I sleep with you tonight Camille and she's like no and then she's like I'm gonna go in the house and cause a ruckus and she's like fine you can sleep with me stay stay with me but this is a thing, and like this is a crazy, like small Amy Adams things thing where, and I think it's it's her and Eliza Scanlon, and I'm sure Jean-Marc Vallée, when she calls Emma back, she calls her like a dog. She pats her knees, and she's like, "Come on, you can sleep in my bed. You can sleep in my bed." Oh my god! He calls her back like a dog, and Emma comes running back to her. Woof. That's what I have to say to that. Yeah. Um, it's so yeah Um, and so you know they're all wasted from this party and Camille's hurt her ankle Uh, and so you know this this penultimate episode where so much happens but it begins with Adora trying to care for Camille and Camille rejecting it and she has this incredible line that says your health is not a debt you just cancel the body collects Camille the body collects. Which actually, I did re-edit my little soundscape, and that li- I put that line in my sound, my intro soundscape. I am gonna throw up a leg. <laughs> you are amazing. Um, maybe I'll put a Jackie I line. I, I actually, I want to put "Don't Tell Mama" in there too. I had something in here. Wait. Oh, the sweaty footprints. Wait, shit. Oh, that is a truly remarkable suggestion, Camille. <laughs> when she's like, maybe Emma should come to uh, St. Louis with me. That is a truly remarkable suggestion. <laughs> like, what? A, I can't wait to use that line with somebody who I think is a complete dumbass. <laughs> that is a truly remarkable su- suggestion. <laughs> anyway. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, no. And this is because this is like Emma and Camille have bonded a lot now, and Camille is once again rejecting, rejecting Adora's mother's milk. The body um, collects. The body collects a little bit of sweet before the bitter. It helps. It helps. It helps, Camille. Um. And then there's the, that moment with Emma later where Emma is like, I don't want it. I don't want this. Like, I'm just hungover. Like, 
you yeah. know, which is such a contrast to the really creepy line she has. Right. She has that really creepy line in an earlier episode where she says to Camille, you know what my favorite part about getting wasted is? That's like the same hangover, oh. though. Is it the same one? I thought it was an earlier I'm almost, one. I'm almost positive it is. I thought it was an earlier one. Either way. Either way, it's that shifting loyalty from Emma that makes her still a question mark for us, you know, before we learn the, the full truth. Um, the most terrifying young girl in... God. But yeah, so... It all kind of starts to come crashing down, you know. It's... Amy Adams has has the breakdown on the phone with cubby and I, or no cheese cubby curry is curry. i know it's typical. cubby and curry curry and cubs um but i actually really love that in that moment like the big her big line is my mother did it but you don't see her say it you hear it through the phone and I thought that was a really interesting choice. Like you see her like convulsing and sobbing in the car, but then it cuts to like Eileen, like rushing to him to give him the phone. Like something is very, very wrong. And you just hear her kind of choked cry through the phone. And you uh, see him. My mother did it. Yeah. And he's immediately like, I'm so sorry. Did <laughs> you do this? Please come home. Um, but she's like, no, I have to. She's doing he it did. again. He should have been way more careful. Yes, he should have. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it did end up helping them find the killer, but like, Jesus fucking Christ, Right, bro. but also like the basic premise of her being there is like bad. He was like, <laughs> you want to go there? And she's like, no. And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, could be good. And she goes, no, I'm not going there. And he goes, I'm your boss. Go there. <laughs> and she goes, wow. Okay, fine. Right. Um, so yeah, but then then it's I can't leave because she's doing it again. Um, and then it becomes Camille's redemption opportunity to save Emma. Um well, and she thinks she can do it without like like how how she didn't just say like I'm going to call the police. It's like, no, I have to get this poison inside of myself. And then I have to be the proof. Completely. Yeah. She's like, the poison needs to be in me. Yeah. To get this little, little does she know. Yeah. Yeah. That the rest of the story lies with Am. Yeah. So the so Camille lets herself get poisoned um, in the book it actually like it does in the afterward which is the stuff when they go back to St. Louis um, you know and she's describing what they found it itemizes all of the chemicals oh shit and it's like very scary um, it's like rat poison and like like all anti- kinds of yeah like antifreeze all, it's nuts um, wow 
so yeah, so Camille is like, you know, and then it becomes a real kind of horror movie. I mean, the whole thing is so scary, but like, this is like really where it becomes like a horror thing and they're like trapped in the house, you know, where Camille is like, to Emma, who, as you said, like has built up this tolerance that she's a bit more coherent. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of guiding Camille through this experience of just like, it's like, I know it's a lot, but you get used to it, you know? Um, and Camille is like, you need to go find Richard. Like you have to like, and tell him, tell if whatever, as you said, whatever happens, tell mama took care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to read the book. Yeah, it's like worth a read. It's just not, it's, it's, I don't think the book gives you anything more than the, than the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Adora gets arrested and like fully goes to prison. Like we see Patricia Clarkson in an orange jumpsuit, which is bizarre. Full blown. Full blown. When she pleads not guilty. So the evidence clearly works against her or she's waiting for her next trial when we see her next. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, so the evidence is there's the pliers, the pliers that were used to remove the teeth are found. Yeah. Yeah. At the Krellin house. Yeah. So that to me is probably what ends up, being the smoking gun to convict her. Totally. Um, Because it matches, like, the blood matches, the ridges on the uh, cadavers matches. Right. right. Um, So that's as as much as they need. And, like, you know, I I assume they're able to prove to some extent that she killed Marion. I think you're right. Because he um, says something about like, like oh yeah, for Marion too, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it seems all's well in Wind Gap. The, the big bad's been taken down because who could be a bigger bad than Adora Krellin? Uh, True. And then we go back to St. Louis. Camille kind of takes Emma in. And they move in. They move in with Curry for a time before getting their own place because they do have an apartment. It's still her her old apartment from yeah. Like she was just like she was just in Wind Gap for like it's not like she gave up her. Apartment. Yeah. No. Right. Why did I think she yeah. moved in it's with still, Curry? I think she does in the book. Maybe, when maybe all the stuff we're about to talk about happens. That may be what I'm thinking of. Because she tries to like doodly do again. And right. that's like at the end of the book. Right. But I only know this from like not reading, but like researching the book. Yeah. I actually, I read that book on the Amtrak to Rochester to visit you. All I ever want is for you to come fucking visit me. So. <laughs> That's what be it. And read Gillian Flynn books on the way. You want, um, I have, uh, 
Gone Girl right here somewhere. I should read Gone Girl. She's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read Sharp, Sharper Image. Yeah. Sharper Images. So then the, the coda of the finale, and this is another thing that Jean-Marc Delay is so fucking amazing at, is that similar to the ending of Big Little Lies, where like the last 10 minutes of Big Little Lies has like no dialogue in it. It's just all revelation and it's all visual revelation of like what's happened. And it's like, I mean, the last 15 minutes of season one of Big Little Lies, I mean, the only season of Big Little Lies. The only season that exists. uh, Is like absolutely to me, one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. Like certainly on television. One billion. That kind of visual storytelling is just like, it's so fucking masterful to me. Like plot, you know, to like, it's not just mood. It's like, he's, he's literally giving you the culmination of this entire mystery in looks like it's all visual. It's amazing. Um, And it's similar here. Like there's, you know, there's, there's full scenes you know, where we see Emma kind of acclimating. And there's these moments where, you know, Emma says something really rude. Iffy, iffy, shit gets iffy. Yeah, where she just starts seeing how kind of harsh Emma is as a person and how unkind she is. Um, and you know, I think Camille is hopeful that that can be nurtured out of her and also is sort of like, yeah, well, I guess I would be that way too. Um, yeah. But it's... If it, my it, mom poisoning me from the time I was... Right. It's behavior that's kind of easily excused of like, well, think of what she's been through. Right. Um, but it is, it, it kind of... Everyone's kind of aware of it, you know? Everyone's kind of like, yeah. oh, that was... That was a very rude thing to kinda, say to this group of people. Gross. Um, and then like the neighbor, like they're you know. So so this is the the book. The book ends and like in the show, like Camille's final piece for the paper ends with her being like, "Yeah, we never really figured out what happened with the teeth." And then. <laughs> I mean that that's this is the thing where I'm like fuck Jillian Flynn like you're amazing. <laughs> this is an incredible story piece that the teeth Adora has this ivory bedroom with ivory floors and in Emma's replica dollhouse replica she uses she sands down the girl's teeth to create, to recreate Adora's ivory floor. I mean, that is some, that is some fucking poetry right there. Completely. And, uh, and Filet takes a big swing with how he reveals that information. It is literally the last second, the <laughs> last button on the series is Camille Hearing my hearing the neighbor say my teenage daughter's missing, who's best friends with Emma, and Camille's like, 
That's weird. <laughs> and then, you know, finds a piece of the dollhouse and is going to put it back. And then. And she sees the doll in the window perched there the way that Natalie Keene was perched in the window of the alley. That was <clears throat> watching this the first time. When I, because you see Amy Adams' face in focus, but in the foreground, the out of focus foreground, you see the dollhouse mm -hmm. and you see like out of focus little legs sticking out of this out of focus little window. And I literally like, it was like the same thing with like the Romanoffs when I saw the two chairs. It was like my whole body like shook <laughs> in like, like an inch out of my chair. And I was like, no, oh my God, no. And then Emma shows up. Amy Adams pulls a tooth from this like fake ivory floor. And Emma goes, don't tell mama. And she had said that a bunch of times in yep. the series. She yep. says like, don't tell mama like about like a bunch of different shit. And like, then it goes to black and it starts like the credits and it's like, wait, what? That's like, that's the series? Yeah. I had, I at first I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's the last moment. Like, right. no, no fallout from that. And then like, as you get a little farther into the credits, there's like a little quick, or like at the end of the credits, there's like a quick, like three it's flash. Like yeah, it's like this quick yeah. flash montage of Emma, like of just images of Emma doing these murders. And the, it's like- The three girls like killing Anne, then like someone killing Natalie, and then Emma killing uh, May. God. Like in the middle of the of the fucking credits. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you know, if you wait for it, you'll get, you know, you'll get the yeah. reward at yeah. the end. And it's like, this is a reward. This is fucking terrifying. Yeah. But I love um Jean-Marc Vallée explained when he explained that decision of having it end on that just like that quick beat. He's like, I wanted it to play as the yeah. punchline of a joke. Right. Don't tell mama. Laugh. Laugh track. You know, he's like, I, I wanted it to have a kind of sense of humor about it. Unbelievable. Jean-Marc. It's incredible. It's an incredible oh, miniseries. It's an incredible miniseries. Um, just a complete triumph of like tone performances, all, all really not a, not a misstep anywhere in it. No, no, truly. And um, it's extremely unfortunate that like when it came out, it was in this weird, it was like late summer of 2018. So it was in this yeah. dead zone for awards recognition. Yeah. So it wasn't gonna, There, it was basically airing, it it missed the, the window to be eligible for the 2018 Emmys. 
So it was going to have to wait a whole year to be nominated again. And there was going to be so much more eligible right. in the meantime. Um, right. That becomes buzzier again. And it was such a fucking shame because you had, you know, they were nominated for eight Emmys. They didn't win any of them. Um, Terrible. I don't actually remember who Amy Adams lost to. I do. The Emmy? Because Patricia Clarkson lost to Patricia Arquette for the act. You know who Amy Adams lost to? Tell me. Gwen Verdon. (sighs) Oh, okay. That's why. That's tough. She lost to this. She lost a full hand around face acting. She thought that scream into the dress was going to do it. And Michelle Williams said. Michelle Williams said, guess what? She said, guess what, bitches? It's my turn. I'm going to wipe a tear from the left side of my face around the back of my head to the right (laughs) side of my face down my neck. Yep. Yep. Um, Sorry. Okay, that I can, I mean, I'm still sad for Amy Adams. That's who she lost to. That's crazy. But if that's who she lost to, that's okay. It's like, you didn't really stand a chance. Like, any other year, you would have won. Yeah. Yeah. But what Had it made the Emmy cutoff for 2018, it would have won. Would have won all of this. Um, But the fact that Patricia Clarkson lost... That it was literally she lost to the other Munchies by Proxy mom. It was like two Munchie by Proxy. Uh, who are we going to give it to? We're going to give it to the clown. Like Both named Patricia. Part of me just wonders, like, what if he just read the name wrong? What if he just said Patricia and then just said Arquette and it was supposed Patricia to be Clarkson? I lose sleep thinking about that sometimes. What if it was a wrong envelope? Go to the video. I need to we go need to the, review the footage. No. Um, but that's a travesty because Patricia Arquette is not better in the act than Patricia Clarkson is in Sharp Objects. She does a fine job, but it's like it's like nothing even close mm-hmm. to what Patricia Patricia Clarkson is doing. Yeah, lost both Screen Actors Guild Awards. The only award it won. Um, was the uh, the Golden Globe? I don't know why it's not listed here. Hmm. Maybe it's because oh no, here it is. Yeah, the only award it won was Patricia Clarkson won the Golden Globe for yeah. supporting actress. Damn right. Yeah, get it, like. You fucking deserve it. Thank yeah. you. I love her. I've I've just I've always loved her. Well, she's always been fabulous. She's never made a bad movie. Yeah, how can you be bad when you're that good? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> how can you be bad when you're that good? That's it. Oh, well. Hashtag. Thank you for coming on this journey. This is an incredible miniseries. 
fun. All right, Carl. Well, that concludes season two of Broadcast Revisited. Oh my God, it's so crazy. Yeah. We'll be back in a few months with more great series. After we see each other in person for yes. a little viz. Yes. We're gonna, the visit. We're going to dance across the stage of the world. That's true. That's true. Just like Stevie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank, Thank you, you for so continuing to listen. Please tell your friends to listen to us uh, if they're into this sort of thing. Follow Benmo. us on uh, follow us on Instagram at Broadcast Revisited. Follow us on Twitter at Bcast Revisited, uh, or find us on Facebook, and you'll you'll hear about when we're coming back and what we're coming back with. Which is actually kind of exciting. We've got a like a pretty crazy lineup. Another lineup coming in hot for season three. Because you know what? There's a lot of amazing limited series. Because you know what? Limited series are the best kind of television there is. Truly. Long form narrative. That's it. And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it big. And we're going to do it right. <laughs> Amen. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh... Oh. Thanks. Keep watching limited series. Catch up on Mare of Easttown. That's like the hot limited series right now. I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I know. There's two more episodes left. And then you can binge it. And I will binge them and then I will watch them over and over and over again. Yeah. There's a lot of, of limited series on the horizon that I am excited about coming out in 2021 and 22. I'm, I'm really excited about this Pam and Tommy yeah, uh, uh, miniseries with the absolute dark uh, magic happening on that set with those hair and makeup people. I can't handle it. Somebody showed me a picture and they were like, here's the real ones and here's the actors. And I was like, no, you've got that wrong. You've got that wrong. Because that's Sebastian Stan. And they were like, are you sure? And I was like, yes, of course I'm sure. I know, I know what Lily James looks like. <laughs> no. But Carl, no, there are pictures of her as Pamela Anderson where I'm like, there's no, there's not a single feature on this face that I can be like, oh yeah, that's Lily James. It's so, so specific. It's, it's, that is a triumph of makeup. Wild. Um, So that's going to be great, I think. Um, Yeah. Hey. Lots, lots on the horizon. Yep. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if any shows that are going to air between now and then make make it into the mix. Give us your suggestions. Tweet us. Yeah, that Tell would us. be great. What are Tell you? What do you like? Need like? What do you want us to cover? Because there's, we have our own way of prioritizing things. But like, if you really want us to talk about Chernobyl, we will. <laughs> if there's something you've never heard us mention, and you're like. Are they even aware of this? Please tell us, because yeah. I want I want to know about it. I yeah. absolutely want to know about it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we'll do Chernobyl. That's that is the one that like all of my friends are like, "Have you done Chernobyl yet?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't think we're gonna." Why is that the one? Like, why is I that no the idea. one that people think of as like the miniseries? I guess it was it was very popular and it won a bunch it of Emmys. Was. But I'm like. 
It sure was. It was buzzy. It was yeah. buzzy as fuck. I'll watch yeah. it for Jesse Buckley. <laughs> I'll watch it for this podcast. Yeah, but like she'll she'll be what gets me through it because I really can't do body horror stuff. I'm really I'm oh. really like not. I gotta yeah. gear up for that one. Yeah, but we will do it at some point. But right. like we say, we gotta spread out the big. We gotta spread out the big ones. This was no. one that like we could have done this one as like our first episode, and just like blown it. Okay, blown Sharp our load. Object. Could have been an entire season. Oh, for sure. Of us talk, we could have done. We could have done nine episodes talking about these eight episodes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But we chose not to do that. Right. Season three coming at you soon. All right. Yeah. Keep your eye out. Mid mid to late summer. Yeah. Probably August. So we'll. We'll be dropping new episodes. Oh my gosh. New collages. New collages. (laughs) My God. These stupid things that I I think are so cute, but I'm like, does anybody care? I love them. Keep doing them. And, you know, I post on our Twitter when I remember to. (laughs) That's me with Facebook. I've given up on Facebook at this point. So, I mean, most people have. Very much like an brand that's fine that's like that's the place to be so i'm fine with it yeah yay find us follow us go back and listen to any episodes you missed they're all um, yeah tell us tell us what you want to hear about thank you for a great season two carl (gasps) Catherine. thank you Don't tell mama. (gasps) Don't tell mama.